It is a privilege to get to share from this precious psalm. Let's see. We did have it. There we go. Um, and when Spurgeon did his commentary on it with fear and trembling, basically he says, he remarks that all the other psalms are lakes. This is an ocean. And when you look at the depths of what's in this psalm, it is an ocean. It is filled with all kinds of treasures. And we'll see that. Again, I hope as as we look through it this evening, there's so much that God has given us. Now think with me for a minute about something you really, really enjoy. This is one of the few things that you either own or spend time doing that gives you pleasure, great pleasure. It can be everything from music, a certain person that's here tonight um, that I haven't seen for a while certainly can relate to that. Uh, with her CDs on in her car all the time. Um, It may be a view and a trip you take occasionally in which you're just dazzled by what you see. It it may be some other, say a book that you read um, that you just love and you've reread it a few times. There aren't that many things in our lives that are really precious to us. But they're there, and tonight we're going to look at a man who had something he loved. And it was his greatest treasure on earth. It occupied most of his mind the time that he spent thinking. It occupied a bunch of his memory. And that was the word of God. This man was not a superhero. He was a sinner saved by grace just like we are. But the word of God had captivated his soul. And he loved it. And... My hope is that as we go through this section of Scripture, that we'll grow in our love for that book that has been given to us by our first love, or the one at least whom we long to have as our first love. The Lord has given us this treasure and prayer that we would go away filled with hunger for it again. So even though we pray, let me pray real fast. Father, we thank you that you would be so kind as to give us your very words penned by men whom you carried along by your Spirit so that we have exactly what you want us to have. 
So teach us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The passage is Psalm 119. We're at the 13th stanza. It's verses 97 through 104. Um, and what's the page number? It says in your notes, I believe. Um, 914. Or 514, I should say. Okay. Thanks very much. Um, let me read this stanza and we'll go from there. It says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. You know, there are some places in Scripture, for each of us we have different ones, that are just incredibly precious. And I find this to be one of them. And when we, when we consider the, um, the text before us, and the fact that we, we see a man who loved his God, and loved his word not because he was a bibliolater, but because he loved the God who wrote the Bible as much as he had at that time. And we don't know, as I've shared many times, if David wrote it or Daniel or Ezra or someone else, it would pro- was probably one of them. But when you consider his love for it, the things he says about the word of God, I think a truth, a main idea that we can hold on to is that we discover treasures from the Lord as we delight in his word. We discover treasures from the Lord as we delight in his word. And we'll break this psalm up not by verse by verse order, but by topic by topic order. And we will look first at the psalmist's exclamation, his expression of excitement over the word of God. And then we'll look at his explanation. Why was he so excited about this book? And then finally, 
we'll look at his application. Well, what did he do with it? If it was that thrilling to him, how did he apply it? Now think about it. Isn't that how it works with us? When we get something we really, really like or own something we go back to and and it's just fresh to us, what do we do first? We smile at it. We're happy. And we're very happy to tell people about it. Man, I just love this. This is so cool to me. This is so helpful. I find this such a blessing. And we realize, wait, I haven't even told them what it is. Because we're expressing enjoyment. And then we explain why we love this thing. You would not believe that painting. You would not believe this book. You would not believe the view from that trip. You would not believe that music. And we explain it, and then we actually get down to enjoying it once we've enjoyed talking about it. And that's what the psalmist does. So let's look, first of all, at his exclamation. We see it, first of all, in verse 97. Oh, how I love your law, he says. Oh, how I love your law. This wasn't a good book that he enjoyed at night before he went to sleep. It wasn't a casual read that he would pick up now and then to occupy some time in which he had some free time available. No, he loved this book. It was delightful to him. He ate it up. It filled his mind. It filled his memory. This book was dear to him. And he says it again in verse 103 where he says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Now what did God promise Israel? They would enter a land full of milk and honey. He uses that description over and over and over in the Bible. Here's what I'm going to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey. And praise God, church, that God has a place he's prepared for us that is richer than any earthly promised land that is filled with milk and honey. So he was extremely excited and he was happy in proclaiming it. But how come? What was it that made this psalmist so excited about God's word? Why did he love it so much and why should we love it so much? Well, one of the reasons he mentions here is because of the wisdom and understanding he received from it. In other places, he loves it for its purity. In verse 140, your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. Earlier in the psalm, he loves it after praying for God to help him and to show his loving kindness to him. And he ends the stanza with this climax saying, I will lift up my hands to your 
commandments which I love. And here it's because of the wisdom and understanding that the Lord gives to him. So we see, for example, in verse 98, your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. Now often when we read the Psalms and we think of King David or when we read other books of the Bible, these people had physical enemies all over the place after them. They were hiding in caves, doing all kinds of things to, to escape or facing their enemies. For example, Daniel, without compromise in the least, but nevertheless having to think of how to deal with those enemies. They were right there. And because we don't have those as much, we don't have people chasing us. Sadly, in our world, many places do, where God's people are literally surrounded by enemies. Here we don't. So you know what we can do? We can gloss over those texts. Do we have some enemies? We have some very strong enemies. We have the world tugging at us, tempting at us, putting all kinds of things that allure us, constantly pulling. Look at me. Look at me. Look here. Look there. Isn't this important? Put Jesus on hold for a little while and have some of this. We have our sinful flesh that's constantly tempting us. Pulling at us again as sin within us fights against our love for the law of God. And we have a real devil who's constantly in one way or another tempting us whether corporately or individually. And we have, thanks be to God, because of this book, wisdom that enables us to resist all of these enemies. And that's why God could say that no temptation has overtaken you that's not one that's common to man and God will provide the way of escape and how does he do that? He provides that through the counsel of his scripture not through some mystical experience or taking us out of one room and placing us in another no, he gives us a book and says here look at this, here's how to resist temptation So we have much wisdom. And also we see the psalmist praising God for his understanding, the understanding that he gave him. I have more understanding, he says, than all my teachers. What? And he even says, I understand more than the aged. Well, first of all, not all teachers are strong biblical teachers. There are a lot of false teachers. There are a lot of secular teachers that this man would have been exposed to and would have seen. And 
he argues, I have more understanding than all of them. And even those teachers who loved God's word and taught him, he says, I have more understanding than they do, and he should have. A good teacher, obeying Paul's instruction, tells Timothy, entrust these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Keep it up, Timothy, so that there are more and more and more godly teachers. And he says, I understand more than the aged. Obviously now, um, wisdom was often correlated with age. But in the words of Luther, only Luther could say this is, antiquity is no help against stupidity. <laughs> so there's, there's no um, automatic correlation again against false teaching and stupidity. Age doesn't always correlate with wisdom. Age that's grounded in biblical instruction, of course this man would have gone to those teachers. He was a companion of those who feared the Lord. So this is the reason he loved God's word, is it taught him, it gave him wisdom, it gave him understanding. It helped him. And what understanding do we have? Well, think of it. First of all, we have the, an understanding that is divine understanding from God's word about what constitutes true happiness. At the beginning of the psalm, we're told the blessed people are those who walk in God's law. Those who know Jesus Christ are going to follow him, and that is true joy. We have immense volumes of practical wisdom in the Bible to guide us in our way. And James tells us what that wisdom from above is like in chapter 3, verse 17. And it's a beautiful description We have the greatest wisdom, friends. We have the word of the cross. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that it is foolishness to those who reject it, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God, and the wisdom of God. That was a Nevin's paraphrase. <laughs> but the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but what it is it for us, it's the power of God and wisdom of God. We have a, an understanding that is found nowhere else except in this book. It doesn't romantically float down from the sky into our hands no, it's given us only in the pages of Scripture, even as Greg pointed out about Revelation being finished. And lastly, we have understanding, we can't talk about it right now, but of the perfections of God, 
to the extent he's chosen to reveal them, and those were the psalmist's hope. He clung to them. God's loving kindness, his mercy, his grace, his justice. That's the kind of understanding we have. And lastly, really quickly, how did the psalmist apply this book? He did it in two ways. We see in verses 97 through, or I should say 97 through 100, he thought about it. He reflected on it. He considered it. How not only would it apply to his life, but it enabled him to worship God in any context he found himself, including, for example, Daniel in his upper room. He could pray, dwelling on the word of God, irrespective of whether he had a speck of it in front of him because of his knowledge of it. David could meditate on God's word in a cave because of the knowledge and the memory he would have of it. And we have it, friend, to occupy our minds. It's our best friend. It's the best thing we could want to think on. And yet the most lost art. And lastly, the psalmist expresses his love for God's law in that he obeyed it. He says, I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. Even though God had discipline to get him back on that path of obedience, and he was afflicted, he nevertheless followed the Lord. He loved this book, he loved its teaching, and to the extent as a sinful man being led by God's grace, he followed that book knowing that that very narrow path of obedience brings true happiness. So, we'll close with God gives treasures to those who delight in his word. Tim will come and lead us in prayer now.